Roderick Toombs. Hot Rod. The Hot. Scott. The Rowdy One. Rowdy. Rowdy. Piper. A formidable combatant, both in the ring and on the mic. A leader in his profession, innovator of his craft, and champion for the loud, obnoxious, obscene anarchist inside of us all. Born and bred to be a fighter, Roddy showed a whole generation that sticks and stones may break your bones, but with the right combination of words, you can lay a man's soul to rest right at your feet. No fucking around today on this episode of Dissecting the Frog. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. with the DTF Podcast. My name is Sam Norton, and your name is Jennifer, or John, or Tammy, or Timmy. I don't know what the fuck that was. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode. We, like I said, are talking about Roddy Roddy Piper. I think one of the funniest fucking men to ever exist. And yeah, I'm a wrestling fan. I was when I was a kid. Not so much anymore, but I still enjoy it. And this man was the tits to me growing up. I loved him to death. Uh, And we're going to talk about him today and how he was influential to me beyond all measure. All right, there was a lot of people... I, you know, on, on a few episodes, we've talked about fucking cartoons, we've talked about sketches and movies, we've even talked about a hip-hop artist that's defined my comedy in some way or another, but now we are talking about a wrestler slash comedian, and that is, again, Roddy Roddy Piper, born Roderick George Toombs. Uh, that's what his name was at birth. He was born on April 17th, 1954 in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Holy shit. Uh, he was born in Canada, but he was always billed as a wrestler from Glasgow, Scotland, because he has Scottish heritage. (laughs) So they were like, yeah, there's a thing, right? He was raised in Winnipeg by his father, who was actually a legit Mountie. Like a fucking Canadian Mountie. Uh, he lost his mother at a young age. And he actually was expelled from junior high for having a switchblade. And that caused a little bit... Well, before that, he had a little bit of a uh, rambunctious uh, relationship with his father rambunctious is like a whimsical. It didn't have a very good relationship with his father and the rest of his family. And after that, he left. He left home. He ran, not ran away, but he just said, fuck it. I mean, he was a teenager, uh, 15, 16, just said, screw it, and left and was living in youth hostels and just kind of being homeless for a while uh, and picked up little trades to make money and do shit. 
He learned how to play the bagpipes, which came into later identifying him as Roddy Piper. That's where he gets that. And he was an amateur wrestler in high school and being younger. He was also a amateur boxer, was actually a Golden Gloves champion. And he got a black belt in judo as well, and was at one point an American judo champion. So dude could really fight like he could really throw down and I guess that's what happens when you're living basically on the streets at from age 15 trying to make your way uh, then he also got into pro wrestling uh, pro wrestling he said saved his life it gave him an identity gave him a sense of fraternity and family and gave him uh, you know a real sense of being uh, his first match however was in Manitoba Canada in front of like Canadian loggers while he was fighting three midgets for no money, right? So imagine that scene, just a bunch of beer-swilling, fucking hairy, gross Canadian loggers watching you beat up three midgets, knowing that all you're getting at the end of it is a meal. Like, that, what a, like, that, that sounds all, that, like, what I love about pro wrestling is I, I know a few pro wrestlers, and the stories that I've talked to about this, like with them about wrestling seem oddly similar. Uh, the closest that I've ever heard lifestyle-wise to stand-up comedy. You're doing it, for the most part, whenever you first begin, you're doing it just because you enjoy the... You enjoy the feeling that you get performing for a live audience and you put yourself through hell in a fucking handbasket to get paid, if anything, very little. And this sounds like every horror story of the first open mic you could ever do, and he fell in love with it. He was wrestling three midgets and fell in love with it. Then he had a, his first match, his first paid gig was for 25 bucks. It was only 10 seconds long because he was like 16, 17 years old. And he fought this guy named Larry Henning. Now, any of you who enjoy wrestling, that's Mr. Perfect's dad, Larry the Axe Henning. Uh, and he, like, the reason it lasted 10 seconds long was uh, legitimately because Larry was six foot five, almost 350 pounds. Okay? Now, what makes him Roddy Piper? This was, I believe, the first, one of the first uh, times that uh, he needed, he knew that he was going to be performing with an actual professional and wanted to make an entrance, so he had some of his bagpipe friends play him down in this, uh, I'm sure it was like a VFW hall, right? So he had this big grand entrance, bagpipers just, right? And this little tiny 17-year-old kid comes out. He's got all this fanfare and just blown up, right? And then it lasts 10 seconds, right? But he never gave... He, tried, he said he never gave up. Uh, he just got the fuck beat out of him. Which, uh, I don't know. There's something uh, There's something quite wonderful in in that comedy of his... Even, even in his first couple of matches that I was able to find, the comedy of him wrestling three midgets for no money in front of the loggers and then his first paid gig he has all the fanfare of someone like a champion and coming in as this like little baby faced 17 year old and then getting the shit beat out of him by a legit giant man 
so that I wanted to give you a little bit of a reason why I gravitate towards him, even in his history. All right, we'll, we'll dive way into Roddy and his essence and being. Uh, but first, I want to introduce this clip. I wanted to give you guys a little introduction, just in case you're not wrestling fans, as to why the hell I'm talking about Roddy Piper. Um, he now, of note, you you may have known him from uh, movies. It's a cult classic. It's uh, 1987. Hell comes to Fogtown. Uh, but the other cult classic that he was in was 1988's John Carpenter's They Live. A lot of people know that uh, movie. Uh, he was also in uh, WrestleMania 1 through like 4 or 5, and he did Starcade and all the big wrestling events he was in. He was a part of the first WrestleMania ever. He was in the main event against Hogan. It was Hogan, him, Paul Orndorff, Paul Orndorff, and Mr. T., and uh, Mr. Wonderful was all involved. Also, like, Cindy Lauper, uh, Lou Albana. He was a part of the first big match ever in WrestleMania history. And he, he's had multiple championships. He had a very long career. Now, uh, the sad thing is he did pass away. Uh, Roddy Piper had health problems for a very long time. And I think he... I believe they said he died of a heart attack, um, and that, you know, we, we lost a, we lost a great man, but, uh, we get to survive him through, uh, these clips that we're gonna play. That's why, uh, that's why I love the internet, because, uh, you never truly die. It's the most immortal way that you can be. Now, he did, he did die fairly recently. He died, uh, back in July of 2015, and he he wasn't that old. I believe he was 61. Uh, I believe he was, yeah, around 61. And uh, you know, that's the life of uh, a pro wrestler. They kind of put themselves through hell, and then their body gives up. Uh, a lot like comedians. Comedians die very early. I just read an article, and they said that if you're a stand-up comedian, as far as all uh, performance arts were the ones that die the quickest. So here's to me drinking in the middle of the day. All right. Now we're going to get back to dissecting Oliver Roddy, but I, I want to play this clip for you. I apologize if the sound quality isn't that great. I had to pull it from an old clip from like the 19, this was 19, 85, 86. Um, he was, th this comes from Maple Leaf Wrestling, which was a branch of the WWF at this time. Uh, oh, no, sorry, it was 1984. Uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling, and this was him. Now, he was from Winnipeg, but he was billed from Glasgow, Scotland, because he's Roddy Piper, he's the Scottish man. Uh, so that's what his character was. And this is him going to Canada, quote-unquote, for the first time with the WWF to kind of promote shows, hype up. Uh, that they, they went on a promotional train, and they still do it, where you got to go and you do little uh, excerpts and talk trash on people. And instead of talking trash on his opponents or his next match, he just decided to go after all of Canada. And this kind of got him into heat for a few months when he was up there, which is what you want to do. He was a bad guy, so he was just talking shit. So uh, that's what's going on. 
Uh, enjoy the clip. We'll come back and we'll talk about Roddy, Roddy Piper. <laughs> Maple Leaf Wrestling here and all the stars of the World Wrestling Federation. We're going into the ring in just a moment with more action. But before we do, well, earlier you saw the cream of the crop, the World Heavyweight Champion Hulk Hogan. And now I want to bring in a fellow who's a, a most controversial character, let's put it that way, the host of Piper's Pit, Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> you want me to sit here and talk about all of Canada and how proud I'm supposed to be of coming to nationwide Canada. What you're saying to me is what you want me to do is be proud to come to a country that the first thing they try to do is be an American. As you walk down Young Street, the first thing you see is all these grimy, greasy, burnout little hippies sitting down there with great big state Bernard. Maybe boyfriends, maybe girlfriends, don't know, don't really care. You want me to be proud to come to a country that I fought for for you. Come to a country and take a look at all this. One time I come to arena, I saw this big, hot, hog. Oh, come on, get off. Nasty horseshoe feet. She comes up and says, Oh, she said, she says, Who are you? I says, Who am I? Since I was 16 years old, I've been a professional wrestler. When I was 19 years old, I was a light heavyweight champion of the world. Gave it up, got too big. When I was 21 years old, I was the United States heavyweight champion. When I was 22 years old, I was the American tag team champion. When I was 23 years old, I was again the United States heavyweight championship. When I was 24 years old, I was the Lancaster County champion. I have done everything there is to do. I looked at this big, fat, nasty heart. She looks at me and says, who are you? Who am I? I am the one that helped the great captain make Cindy Lauper. I am the one that revolutionized prime time. I am the legend destroyer. I am the one that destroyed Jimmy Stuker. This big, fat, nasty brat says, who are you? I got a question for you from this slim, streamlined body. Huh, you big, fat thing? Who do you think you are? I'm Hot Rod. What can I say? Rowdy Roddy Piper. Nothing much that can be said. All I can do is apologize for him, but I'm sure he wouldn't want that. Don't go away. We'll be back with more action after these important messages. That was Roddy Roddy Piper talking shit on Canada, uh, which is great. That's a great thing. It's never a bad thing because even if you piss them off, guess what? They'll still say, I'm sorry. Uh, my wife's Canadian, so I can shit all over them. Is that a thing? I, I don't know. Probably not. But yeah, uh, that was Roddy Piper uh, doing what he does best, uh, just shitting on anybody who's listening. Um, now, here's the thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, why, right, this is this mainly been based, this show's mainly been based in comedy, uh, and whenever I stray from there, I usually have a good reason as to why this person is funny, uh, a la going back to uh, the episode of MF Doom, the rapper, breaking apart how he was a funny lyricist and saying stuff. Uh, Roddy, not so much. Uh, he, he was more entertaining than funny, but you know what? I can tell you a thousand comics that are like that. That's why I picked Rowdy today and why he affected me. Now, here's the thing. Like I said, I'm just going back to give you guys some perspective on on my thing. Do do I think that he is the funniest person to ever live? No. But uh, 
I, I have to give credit where credit was due. The dude could talk shit. And was he the first wrestler to ever talk shit? No, that would be probably Buddy Rogers, the original Nature Boy, or uh, Freddie Blassie, or Ernie Ladd, or the other Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Like, these guys uh, came a little bit before, or a lot before... Roddy and was doing that kind of same heel hype train. They were they were larger than life, and they would really get the audience going. And so they that's that's kind of the beauty of uh, wrestling is you can be an over the top asshole, right? Getting booze is just as good in that business as getting uh, laughs or claps in my business. Uh, whereas if I get booze, guess what? I'm not working. But here's the thing: what separates rowdy to me and what makes him so influential like I do I legitimately do watch some of his old stuff to kind of put me like when I'm in a comedy rut I will watch some of his stuff to get that same energy and lesson out of him and this is what I'm talking about what separates him was the attitude that went behind what he was saying okay now, what I mean by that is someone like Ric Flair, right? If you guys don't know who Ric Flair is, I'm going to use him as the example. Ric Flair is one of the all-time greatest wrestlers of all time, both in the ring and on the mic. And he had, I think, the longest career of anybody ever. <laughs> He's still kind of going. He's managing his daughter right now. But uh, Ric Flair had a pardon the pun, a flair for the business, right? He created this character, and he lived it, too. So he's the closest person I could say with Rowdy, right? What Ric Flair did differently, I'll put it in his words, because this was his character, he would always say he was a styling, profiling, limousine-riding, jet-flying, kiss-stealing, wheeling and dealing, son of a gun, right? That was Ric Flair's whole M.O. He became... This larger than life, I got money for... He was basically like the first hip-hop star. He had bleach blonde hair, always had huge lapels on a suit, a pinky ring. who just flash money and talk shit to anybody saying, you can't beat me in the ring, you can't beat me on the mic, you can't beat me with money. Like, I'll pay for jets to fly everywhere, I'll drink you under the table, and I'll have sex with your wife better than you ever will. Like, that was his thing and it was funny at times because he was just so over the top just this e he played the ego card great okay but and 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 here's the thing rick flair wasn't even the first one to do that buddy rogers did that before him freddie blassie did that 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 bravado is uh kind of a cliche in wrestling now i give rick flair a pass because he did it beyond <laughs> Uh, beyond anybody else, Ric Flair legitimately, he, you know, he was a millionaire, but he spent his own money to live the life that he was saying. So he, he really put his money where his mouth was and became, either was that person or became that person. Either way, Ric Flair, uh, I do not begrudge at all. But some people, uh, you know, didn't really have that lifestyle. Um, another guy later that came in 80s and 90s was a million dollar man. He kind of had the same bravado and his whole thing was like oh uh, everybody has a price and that was his kind of thing but he i think later became like a youth minister like whereas rick flair i think is still doing cocaine off the hookers assholes so there there is a a juxtaposition and a truth in some people and not others uh 
And so this is how we get to Rowdy Piper. Rowdy didn't really, didn't really have a gimmick. Uh, Rowdy was a, was an anarchist. And yeah, yeah, he wore a kilt and played bagpipes, but his insults came from his gut. His, his promos came from his gut. His, his whole being was very much being a Scottish kid from Canada who grew up on the streets having to learn how to fend for himself and found wrestling at a young age. Like that was, that was kind of his gimmick. You know, he didn't, didn't really have anything to bolster. He wasn't an egomaniac. He was just a guy in a lot of his promos, when you go back and watch him, and a lot of his interviews too, weren't, I'm the best in the world, I'm the greatest. It was, yeah, I'll beat the shit out of you, I'm not scared of you, because that's who he was. Like, he wasn't scared of anyone, and he probably could beat the shit out of you. He was an American champion in judo, for God's sakes. Uh, and Rowdy was Rowdy, because he was loud and didn't give a fuck. Like, that's how he got the name Rowdy Roddy Piper. He was he was a rowdy person. He, he was rambunctious, you know? There were, there were every wrestler... I, I've watched too many wrestling interviews, but I, I, I do enjoy listening to them because they, they have the same camaraderie as stand-up comics have, except you add booze and muscles to it and you kind of get more fun stories. <laughs> Whereas comics, you just add booze to a mouthpiece and you get fun stories but it usually ends up and we got the shit kicked out of us or we ran away whereas stories with wrestlers are and we kicked the shit out of them and got away so they, they, they at least get to walk away instead of being carried away um but they, they, there were stories of uh rowdy you know picking fights and stuff but it's because he he also had a good mouthpiece that's why i think he was a comedian um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read off some of his, my favorite quotes of Rowdy's that he said in either promos or interviews and stuff, just to give you an idea of his comedic mindset. And the the thing is, Rowdy took it very seriously. He 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 in an interview said that he used to carry around a little notebook with him anywhere, and anytime he was at a bar or anytime he was at the hotel at night and he thought of something, he would write it down. And if that's not a stand-up comedian, or maybe not a stand-up, but if, if that's not a comedian, I don't know what it is. I, I, I implore you to go out to a comedy club or meet a comic, or if you're a comic yourself, try to find another comic who doesn't have notes in their back pocket, who doesn't have a notebook by their nightstand, who doesn't write shit down in their phone. I, I, I have notes on notes that I never even looked at because I just write shit down all the time. When I heard that from Rowdy, I was like, that's why I gravitate towards him, because we're doing the same thing, except he is in shape, and I am not. Uh, well, I'm kind of in shape. Whatever, I can jog. Uh... But here's here's a few of my favorite ones. Uh, you guys heard at the very beginning, yes, from They Live, that very famous one. You also may know it from Duke Nukem. I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. That was directly from Roddy Piper. That was not written into the script. That was something that he had, he wanted to say, and he said it. There was a lot of lines in that movie that came from him going, oh, I don't... I don't know if I could ever use this in a wrestling context, but I could use it in this movie. Boom, that's how you get that, all right? Another one. Just when you think you know the answers, I change the questions. Like, that's a fucking weird thing to say, and it's hilarious. And it's it's just such a, 
a Roddy Piper thing to say of like, oh, you, you know, you, you're going to win? You're going to win this argument? Guess what? I'm going to change the argument. Like, that's a fucking great thing to say. Uh, he also said, I'm so quick. I could spit in the wind, duck, and then let it hit the old lady behind me. Except he says it in his rowdy way. I'm so quick. <sighs> and he always does his weird snort hiss thing. Uh, you'll find sympathy in the dictionary between shit and suicide. Wonderful, right? And I think that's true. Sympathy. Oh, maybe not. Well, I don't know. Is it? H. Elemental P Q R S T U V W X Y. Yep, never mind. It's not in that. But that is, I made me think, right? Between shit and suicide. Very, very funny. Also a little dark now that I think about it, coming from a man who grew up on the streets, so. <laughs> uh, I walk and talk so fast, I could turn the light off and then be in bed before the room is dark. That's such a fun thing to say as an athlete of like, oh, you think you're better? I mean, who else has that kind of mouthpiece on him? This is reminiscent of like Ali being able to float like a butterfly, sting like a bee type thing. Uh, uh, one that I also love. This one's probably my favorite. Don't throw rocks at a man with a machine gun. It's such a funny fucking thing to say and scream at somebody. Like, can you imagine? But if anybody gets into a bar fight, please say that. We live in America. Well, maybe not, you're not in America. I live in America, right? That's a legitimate threat you could say to somebody. And it's funny as fuck to me because it's just so out of nowhere. You don't throw rocks at a man with a machine gun. Uh, such a fun thing to say to somebody. Uh, my friends keep telling me I'm doing it with Mary Palmer. That's not true. I'm too busy masturbating to meet anybody new. What a fucking great joke, right? Too busy masturbating to meet anybody new. How much are you masturbating? As much as a 12-year-old boy. That's fun, right? <laughs> that, but that's the thing, Roddy... Had, always had something to say. If you if you're not into wrestling, uh, and you don't have to be, I I know it's a dorky nerdy th thing that people say. What the fuck? It's, but whatever. Okay, I know you don't have to be in it, but to respect it comedically is one thing, right? The ability for anybody to talk off the top of their head is already impressive. Just watching somebody speak in front of a crowd. Uh, there's that old. I think Seinfeld coined, somebody coined it, that most people, uh, or fear of speaking in public is above, uh, like, statistically, the fear of death. And I think it was Jerry Seinfeld's joke that said, if you would uh, rather, or most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? So it's already impressive that anybody can speak in front of an audience, right? My my dad's a politician. I've seen him speak in front of an audience and just to captivate an audience, just to have them off their phones and listening, especially in 2016, is, is quite an accomplishment, okay? But to then be entertaining on top of that is what I respect most about stand-up comics, okay? Which is why I love stand-up comedy. And then when I watch somebody who, that's not even their profession, right? My profession is to get up in front of people and entertain them. That is, that is what I do for a living, all right? I don't fucking sling bricks or do landscaping. I mean, I did for a while, but like, 
I don't do that. All I do is this, I draw a little bit, and then mainly what I make my money off of is telling jokes to an audience, okay? People like Roddy Piper are like one of those people that you hear, I think, I think me and my wife were talking about this. There was a guy from, I think, Third Eye Blind or some shit. He was in a uh, famous band, and he's also like a molecular biologist, and he is a marathon runner or some shit like that. When you hear of those people who are so multi-talented because of their work ethic and just love of doing things, that's a special kind of person. And that's the way I look at Rowdy Piper. He already had enough skill to be someone impressive. He was a, a pro wrestler, amateur wrestler, and a you know black belt in judo. Mo he, that's, mo that's things most people have never accomplished ever and will never do. And he did that while he, before he even became a pro wrestler. Then he becomes a pro wrestler and then becomes the hottest ticket on that card and helps usher in what we now know as the WWE with WrestleMania because of his ability to speak and entertain audiences, right? There was a lot of people who couldn't do it and he did it, right? He made people gravitate towards having a villain and then after having a villain he he kept he, he entertained people wanting to all right let, let me explain it this way there are a lot of people who uh especially in the wrestling business need help promoting right that's where you get people like outside the wrestling business you have like in the boxing community you have people like don king right to be able to sell themselves they don't need a manager they don't need a hype man they're there to uh sell tickets and they know how to do it with their mouth right another celtic man a fighter a warrior both in the ring and outside the ring conor mcgregor right conor mcgregor ufc champion well was a ufc champion uh, uh as of late he's coming back but that dude's got a fucking mouthpiece on him he knows how to sell tickets uh, he knows what to say, how to say it. Muhammad Ali didn't need a manager. He knows what to say and how to say it. Floyd Waymother knows how to sell tickets, what to say and how to say it, right? These, th this is the type of person, like people I put Roddy Piper up in the upper echelons with. Like Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, Muhammad Ali. I think he's that great because not only is he top class athlete, but he also had a mouthpiece to sell tickets. That's very rare right? The ability to get hit in the head with a chair every night and still be able to rat-a-tat fight. Now, he did die at 61, so I guess I can, can't say his ability. Uh, he did have the ability before, you know, it took hold. And this is how uh, fantastic he was, right? Conor, or Conor McGregor, uh, Roddy Piper got his own talk show because of his ability to speak, sell tickets, and entertain without having to throw punches, right? In 1984, Vince McMahon gave Roddy Piper his own mid-show talk show during the card, and the card is just the, the gig, right, uh, between wrestling matches. He had this thing called Piper's Pit, right? It was just an interview show of each wrestler, people who may not have 
had promos earlier in the week to sell tickets, you know, undercard jobbers is what they call them, people that just do it for a living, or, uh, you know, to hype the next, uh, the next uh, big gig or to really put some uh, emphasis before the internet was out there. They started this interview thing to kind of put a backstory as to why they're fighting instead of, you know, oh, I'm going to kick, you know, the after interview thing of, oh, next week in Arkansas, I'm going to go after you, the axe, right? They actually had a time to sit down and talk, right? And you had to do it where it was going to be entertaining so that way it wasn't going to be dead, right? And this was 1984 to 1987, and they brought it back occasionally uh, later after that. I believe they brought it back in, like, 1989, then sometime in the 2000s. But he he really made some wonderful television with it. Uh, one thing he did was, uh, I'm going to go from least memorable to most memorable. One thing he did was a guy named Frankie Williams. He was a jobber, and like I said, jobbers were just guys that did it for a living, never really broke, got big, popped or anything, just kind of good enough wrestlers to make a match happen and help, uh, you know, pull pe- or pull, let, let people shine, right? Oh, here's the next big thing. What's this guy's name? The Ultimate Warrior comes in, pins Frankie Williams in, you know, 23 seconds or whatever. Um, and he was a Hispanic guy. And you can look this interview up, but on Piper's Pit, Roddy Piper, again, with the quick wit and the ability to sell anybody, right? This guy was a fucking nobody. He has him on a show. He has a really thick accent. He asks him right away, where are you from? He says, Cleveland, Ohio, or Cincinnati, Ohio. And he just takes this miniature pause and, like, puts his hand over his head, like, ah, dude, you're, like, nobody's gonna believe you. And he was. He really was from Cleveland. But... Piper's just like, all right, now I got to make fun of you because nobody here thinks that you're from fucking Cleveland. So then he starts making fun of him about that, then making fun of him that he's a jobber, that he's never won any match or anything. And then Frankie starts getting mad and stands up, and then Roddy pushes him over and just makes him look like a fucking idiot. And that's when he uh, said his famous line that I love, which is when just when you think... Uh, you know the answers, I change the questions. That And that's how he punctuated it. Boom, cuts off, goes to the next match. Knew how to set up, break down, and then punch it up. Uh, the next one, Andre the Giant. You guys may know him from being fucking Andre the Giant. I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't know him. Uh, legend, a legend in wrestling. Uh, big French fucking dude. He was like seven, legit seven feet tall, 400 pounds. Just a big fucking guy, right? And and there, there was an interview before, uh, I believe it was WrestleMania 2 or 3, uh, where it was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, and uh, Roddy's just antagonizing him the whole time and asking him questions. And Andre's a very stoic man because he doesn't have... What, what's that quote in Goodfellas? Like, you... Polly didn't have to move for anybody. Uh, Andre was that way. He he moved at his own pace because he didn't have to move for anybody. He was a fucking giant, right? But the whole time, you just have Roddy Pipe over here hurling insults. Boom, bap, boom, bap, just hitting him one after another and asking him questions. Andre would come back with like one or two line answers, maybe one or two word answers. At one point, he says, oh, I get it. Big, big man with a little tiny brain. We got it, right? 
that builds up. Andre then stands up and starts grabbing him and threatening him, and I think he slaps him a couple of times, and then Andre leaves, and uh, Roddy takes off his shirt, and that's when he... (laughs) That's when he starts, like, destroying his own set to his talk show and looks right in the camera and says, you don't throw rocks at a man with a machine gun. And then, boom, cut, goes to the next match. How fucking great is that? Like, it, that's two different instances where, you know, it's a just a dull interview. Here we go. Just talking about whatever. Then he sets it up, throws them down under the bus. They start getting physical, gets him worked up. He looks in the question, there he looks into the camera, says this thing, boom, that's done. What a what a great sell job. And then the, the best one, the best one of all time, uh, and some of you wrestling fans may know, was a guy named Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Jimmy uh, was a, a legend himself. He was a terrifying jack giant Polynesian man like he he legit looks like a superhero like straight out of the comics like I didn't know you could have muscles on the crease of your arm how does that happen so he, and and Jimmy's also the very stoic but he's all but part of that is because his English at least back at the time was a little broken uh, and he was just kind of more of a stoic man and again uh, you know the, the same the same little concept that uh, Roddy had he would he would introduce the guy kind of give him a second if he wasn't giving him anything boom started hurling insults he brought out a bunch of uh, fruit like bananas and pineapples and shit and threw him down at, like at his feet started calling him a monkey like but also like very condescending like oh I'm not calling you a monkey but here's a banana if you want one and then Jimmy stands up like he's going to hit him and then Roddy's like okay we'll calm down we'll calm and it makes it look like Roddy's just gonna bow out but he just like bends down and grabs a coconut off of like a he dumped out all that fruit he grabbed a coconut from the table and smashed it against Jimmy Snookafly's head and it explodes. Jimmy falls back and destroys the set, and then Roddy Piper just runs through a door because he hit a superhero with a fucking coconut. And then guess what? Boom, done, on to the next match. That's how he ended it. Again, The setting up the interview, gotta destroy the man, get it physical, next match. Like, that's fucking entertainment, and it, it's always funny to watch. Go th- those are the three... Uh, Piper's Pits to watch. It's Frank Williams, Andre the Giant, and Jimmy Sook, Snook, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, right? Watch those because they're funny as fuck, right? And it's it's perfect uh, Roddy Roddy Piper, right? It's, it's, de- it's divisive. It's insulting. It's uh, loud. It's rambunctious. And it's, above all, entertaining and funny as fuck. He's a, a true anarchist. I love him to death. And and here's here's what he does for me. All right. Other than entertaining, other than me saying he's funny, and then you guys going, I don't know if it's that funny, huh? right? I I can already I can feel you. I can feel you through the internet and time itself going, Sam. It's not that funny. It's just wrestling. Are you sure it's not nostalgia goggles? Probably. Right. Fuck you. Maybe it is. But here's something personal that I can sell you on, all right? The job of an entertainer, okay? Now, 
I don't want to say artist, but I, I'm, I'm being 100% truthful with myself and you guys. The job of an entertainer is to put asses in seats. That's it. If the asses are in seats, that means you're doing a good job in some aspect. Now, there are exceptions. There are people who are hacks and bullshit and still put asses in seats, but you know what? They're doing a good job. They're just an artistic hack. Do we? I hope we understand what I'm trying to say here, all right? The job of an entertainer is to put asses in seats. The job of an artist is to do that without being a fucking dickhead, okay? Now, Roddy taught me about the entertaining thing. He taught me a lesson I'm still learning to this day. I try so fucking hard to have it in my brain and it loses or some shit messes up in there. It goes in one ear and I'm like, okay, I got it for a week and then the next week it's fucking gone. But it's a lesson that my parents, teachers, employers, and even my fucking childhood tried to beat out of me, which is that my controversial nature, um, my, my, my disgust for authority, my propensity towards, like, creating chaos, that, whatever is inside of me that just bubbles up and makes me do fucking what I call dumb shit is a boon to have in this business. It is one of the rare businesses where creating that mayhem is what you need and I come from a place called Wichita, Kansas uh, it's a very not conservative but very homely right? It's a lot of union workers uh, both government and private a lot of people just working to live uh, very status quo type thing. But there we go it's, a very, it's, not, a, it's not conservative, it's very status quo just here's your family Right? You get out of high school, you maybe go to college, or you maybe just go get a factory job. You make a family, and you live until you die, right? So that's what was ingrained in me. And any time that I uh, kind of bucked the system, kind of threw elbows, uh, I got kind of put in my place, whether it was at church, at school, at home. It was not looked upon fondly. And I don't know where in the world it's looked upon fondly to kind of thumb your nose at the system, but I know definitely it's not where I came from, but that shit is inside of me all the time, and it comes out quite often uh, because that is uh, who I am, but the thing that was put inside my brain, so that comes out of my gut, right, to be just a, a fucking devilish human being just running around tinkering with people's I don't know emotions just fucking with everybody going like hey all this shit doesn't matter we're all dead anyways like that's that's uh, that came out way more depressing than I meant it to but you, you know what I mean like it, every the, the, the whole idea that ashes to ashes we're all fucking just living until we die so let's cause some fucking mayhem make this shit thing fun right don't go around fucking hitting people with pipes or anything like don't be violent but uh you know throwing a couple of fire bombs at a tree or something that's pretty fun right i like causing that chaos i like I, I, here's a quick story last time i went to boston with my mom and my dad uh my mom was 
she's an educator. She is now fantastic. She's got her doctorate in adult education and is a director for adult education at a state university. My mom worked her fucking ass off when I was growing up uh, and got her doctorate after I was kicked out of the house. Thanks, Mom. Uh, but she she's really made uh, a fucking professional, uh, wonderful life for herself through hard work. Uh, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to set up how shitty I am to her sometimes. So we go to Boston. She got called to do this thing at Harvard University and could... Uh, like bring out uh, somebody so she brought me out and my dad paid for his own fucking flight or vice versa it doesn't matter and so we're out there we're hanging out with like some of her Harvard friends that she met at this goddamn conference a bunch of smart people work walking downtown we're walking by all the historical things and uh, I can't remember exactly what was going on I think I said I wanted to grab a beer with my mom and she's like Sam it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and I was like, no, let's grab a beer. We're in Boston. We, we don't have anything to do. We're not driving. Let's grab a beer together. We haven't had a drink in a long time. Because at that point, I hadn't seen her in like six months. And she's like, I don't know. And so it, in the midst of all of this uh, kind of uh, educated pageantry, I guess, all these people who are very uptight and, yeah, smart things and looking over here. That's where Paul Revere and yada, 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 right? And also we're downtown. People are going to work. I just start screaming at the top of my lungs, just going, Mom! Mom, get me drunk! Mom! Just as loud as possible. And she starts, like, curling up into a turtle shell. And my dad's laughing his ass off. But that... That type of thing is always in me. Oh, by the way, we all, uh, including her friends, we all went and got a drink or a bite to eat or whatever. And it's one of my favorite, uh, or one of my mom's favorite stories to tell about me, just being a little shit. But that, uh, what I'm trying to get at is that part of me is what puts asses in seats. And I have to remind myself that even as a comic, that part is what is memorable. That part of saying, fuck it. I don't care if these people like me. I don't even care if my employer likes me. I'm doing this just to fucking do it, right? It's, it's, the, it's the one thing that, that really separates the, the wheat from the chaff. And rubbing people the wrong way uh, is... I don't know, it, it's... To quote Scott Hall, who's another wrestler, uh, maybe Razor Ramon is more accurate, it's uh, being the bad guy is, is good. And Rowdy, Roddy Piper, he, he was, you know, a baby face, he was whatever, but he was always, he's always the king of fuck it type thing. He did never give a shit. He just did it because he wanted to. And because of that, I think people like me latched on. Uh, he he never, never really apologized for anything because he never did anything that was out of his character as a human being. And that's a, that's a real fucking deep life lesson I think we could all learn is that if as long as you stay true to yourself, you never have to apologize. Um... And some of you may be thinking, like, that's fucking wrong as shit. And maybe. But maybe not. 
maybe the world needs a little bit more this is who I am as opposed to this is who I am in your world, if that makes any sense. Like, there's a difference between Rowdy going uh, ape shit on somebody uh, during wrestling and going ape shit in a business room. You know, if he hit a fucking dude with a coconut in a board meeting, sure. But in his realm, where he plays on the camera in a kilt with a fucking Polynesian guy in leopard skin panties, yeah, he doesn't have to apologize for shit because that's who he was and that's why you booked him. And I feel like that's the way a lot of people should be. And, and I think the world could be a better place uh, at any job, any, any real thing, is if you go... Hey, up front, this is who I am. So if this is who you are, hire, this is what you get. Um, now, it could be a hindrance for you, but it's, uh, there's, uh, it's, not, it's not easy being uh, truthful in this world. And Roddy not only made it look easy, but fucking surpassed any expectations of how far he could go being a high school dropout from Saskatchewan. Canada. He he really he really went high above and entertained everybody. And uh, I I still find him funny as fuck. I still uh, wish that he was healthy enough to wrestle in his later days or just alive <laughs> enough to be doing Piper's Pit today. Um, but I loved him to death. He was uh, he was a great wrestler, and uh, he will be missed. And we're gonna leave with uh, my favorite quote of his um, and I believe this was from an interview this was not part of wrestling at all uh, but he said if I can't find a place with peace I will fill the world with mayhem so I think we should all go do that I think we should all go fill the world with a little mayhem just to say fuck you guys <laughs> Nothing's right, so just take the world into your own hands and fucking tear shit apart just to show people how ridiculous this all is. And go out and find your own comedy. You guys are amazing. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Dissecting the Frog. My name is Sam Norton. Follow me on Twitter at isamcomedy.com. Also at my website, isamcomedy.com. Or... On Instagram at iSam, it's all iSam comedy. Uh, please continue to follow, listen, learn, laugh, and share. It helps very much. I love you all to death. Enjoy the rest of your day. And go out and fucking make mayhem. Scream at the top of your lungs. Fuck you!